This September, Welcome to the Northside U2 Fan Festival will be celebrating its fifth year. Now, we know that right now the world is a very different place, but it is our hope and intention to provide the celebration that we will all need. And over the course of one weekend, from the 25th to the 27th of September, Welcome to the Northside Festival intends to present the best U2 tribute bands around. The Joshua Tree, U2 Baby, Zuropa, and much more. By September, we will all need a holiday. If we can, we will see you there. For the latest up-to-date information, please visit facebook.com forward slash welcome to the Northside Dublin. Hi guys, just a quick update. We had our first ever Review 2 fan poll where we asked you to decide which albums you want us to cover in future on Tummel. The resounding victory went to the boss, Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run. We've got something special planned, we've got a special guest for that episode, so given the current circumstances, it might be quite a while before we actually get around to recording that. So I hope you bear with us, and please enjoy the episodes we've got planned in the coming weeks and months. Alright Tyler. Alright Johnny. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Well then you might like The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Contesign. So, as the strains of the model die away, it's time for another episode of Tummel, or Then You Might Like, and this time it's The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Tyler, initial thoughts on Kraftwerk? Uh, a band you introduced me to. Mm-hmm. Like all your favourite bands? Not necessarily. More um, or less, part of my main. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you introduced me to them, I would say... Not personally. No, uh, about 2000. 2005 but i don't know if you had introduced me to them before uh u2's b-side version of neon lights i think it probably happened concurrently i would have thought around about the same sort of time yeah it, it was an, an odd sort of quirk of fate that that, that that at the time i was getting most into u2 and sharing them with other art with other artists other other friends that that cover version of Neon Lights came out. What happened first for you? Do you know? Do you remember? Or with Kraftwerk, um, they were always lurking in the back of my brain somewhere because my dad had a copy of Autobahn, um, you know, the, the whole motorway-based album, um, which has a 22-minute or thereabouts version of them recreating the trip in a Volkswagen Beetle going over the autobahn. So my dad always had that record, and it's got this beautiful cover on it very very striking sort of modern cover does he still got it i imagine so it's probably worth something actually but we'd, we'd never know you um, going around your dad's house very soon well have a look yeah um <laughs> we don't don't leave with anything you shouldn't um so i like knew your mum <laughs> so take her um <laughs> that's probably what my dad would say um anyway so we've got this um this album which I, i've always heard about my dad's always talked about craft work but in a way that I've never really engaged with. And I always thought, for some reason, that name, Kraftwerk, stuck in my head is like, oh, it's probably something that's old and folky. Like, you know, like, yeah. it sounds like a knitting um, magazine, I think, Kraftwerk. Obviously, it translates to uh, Power Station, which is much more impressive and fits much more with their style of music, obviously. Um, so anyway, I knew about Autobahn, and I knew that they were something to do eventually with, with electronic music. 
But I think the first time um, I listened to them was when I was reading some sort of article um, and Bono mentioned them. Like pretty much all my real teenage bands that I got into on a deep level, sort of pathetically, they all sort of come from you too. So I was obsessed with Ramones, obsessed with The Clash, and they kind of lead on naturally from each other. But then Kraftwerk, it's, it's such a different sound. It's so minimalistic, whereas punk is over the top and shouty. This is all about stripping things back down to absolute electronic essentials. Yeah, I think if you look at the kind of bands that we're into, generally, Kraftwerk would definitely get a place on the Mount Rushmore. Mm. It it seems to be a a vital part of the DNA of the bands I know that we both like. Yeah, And strangely, the bands that we've been covering so far on Tummel, uh, bands like Coldplay, bands like uh, Simple Minds. Mm. So it's they are very... It's kind of, in a way, almost understated, but they, they seem mm. to be a founding father of yeah. of the kind of music, well, pop music in a wider sense, but especially the music we're into. They have yeah. like definite links to the, the, the music that we've discussed. I think their, their influence, is like, it's very difficult to overstate it. Mm. Um, obviously, the bands that we've been talking about directly, which are often rock bands, to be honest, um, because they lead on from you too. But they are often called the godfathers of dance music and their their influence stretches so far. And I think if you've got quite a narrow perspective on them, you would think, well, yeah, fine. They did a few little things, but, but you know, maybe not. But they got, they're one of the most sampled artists ever. And if you go to a lot of areas like Detroit and um, you look at a lot of rap artists and people who use hip hop... They, they they say they're one of the most funky white bands out there because they have a lot of beats that they can use, they can be sampled from. And when artists like um, like Grandmaster Flash, for example, were trying to put together things, they couldn't use rock beats because they couldn't mix to them or you know rap or set beats to them that easily. But Kraftwerk, it's always completely, you know, the tempo is completely fixed. Yeah. So they've got a huge, huge influence, which I'm not doing justice to here, but um, that's yeah. that's where they that's where they fit in in terms of the musical landscape. Well, I know from. <clears throat> the reviews I've been reading that at the time they were described as a rock band, so I don't know at what point you know genres really became solidified. Solidified as like this is one genre, that's another genre. Mm. I would I would seem to think that by the end of the seventies those genres would were, were somewhat preset, but maybe not. Maybe we mm. we over analyze genre these days. Possibly, maybe this can be seen as a rock record. Well, it's got. It's um, not, certainly not out of place in my collection, which is definitely more rock than anything else. Well, yeah, it's. Um, and I, I mean, I don't have an extensive dance music collection, although I have every single Kraftwerk record. So that's with dance moves like yours. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, Kraftwerk are like a you know an inspiration for my uh, my style of dance music. It's very jerky, very robotic. Don't quite look natural. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, don't quite look human all right okay well yeah and it, well that leads into this because this is an album all about what it means to be um to be human and to be robotic um what i love about craft work if i can really sort of sum it up and what one of the reasons why i got into them so much when i did start getting into them is you can be a listener to them and they've only got you know a handful of lyrics on a lot of their albums you fill in the gaps a lot of a lot of the time you're not being told something and if there's if there is a fault about you too it is that often they they do over lyricize and do things that are a bit too explained and didactic sometimes particularly when bono goes off on one and starts telling people this is what we need to care about and this and that and the other you know which is fine in its place craft work you do a lot of the work for yourself really they give you a musical landscape they give you a couple of words 
and then you think okay what does that actually mean to me on on a deeper level what are the, what is the music suggesting about what it means to be human what it means to be a machine where do the lines between those two blur so what you've got there in in a very very simple album simple so to speak understated is better better way of putting it you've got universal themes you know this goes right back to frankenstein this album in a, in a lot of ways which is so interesting to me so yeah i i love craftwork because you do a lot of the work um although i guess that puts pressure on us today to show what sort of work we've done in creating meaning out of these songs so just to follow on from your point there about frankenstein like frankenstein frankenstein is is a novel that explores this is complete geek lit talk now mm, our side podcast um but uh so frankenstein explores the very human through the inhuman mm-hmm. to put it simply so do you think that they say something about humanity uh, on on an album like this yeah and i think they've updated that message about where are the lines what makes a human you know in the old days the question would be you know where is the soul located um, and it would be very much bogged down with religious questions whereas these days or in craftworks era the modern era it's more to do with where does the line between our humanity and technology where do they blur and take over and they've only become more relevant craftwork you got an album like computer yeah. world it's all about you know staying up late on your computer um and it being a part of your identity how is that not becoming letting it take yeah taking over your life exactly yeah. yeah and i mean this is um this is something that through like smartphones and facebook and stuff like that are you more really your digital self the thing that you put out there is that seems to me the thing that people interact with most and you know cultivate most properly yeah people than the... worry more about their online presence than the the interpersonal presence exactly so you know uh, and if you listen to a computer world and, and i'd recommend any craftwork album but computer world in particular is very good as well as this one um, not that i've listened issues. to every craftwork album out there but i don't think i've heard a bad one yet um <laughs> they've, they've so had... i assume there are some bad ones there's not, there's not there's not bad albums but there are ropier kind of tracks and there were there were bits where um people feel like they lost their way but i would say they're all they're all classics in their own in their own ways like radioactivity conceptually is one of the best albums they've done in terms of it's about radioactivity the you know the nuclear thing but also activity on radio and radio waves and our relationship to the radio i mean ramstein just re- released a song called radio which heavily references um craft work um so that's still having an influence but that album has got some pretty difficult songs to listen to is in that they're actually a bit uncomfortable to listen to they're a bit mm. like this isn't very good then later on you've got electric cafe which is very funky and upbeat and has got such memorable songs as boing bung task but the the kind of conceptual ground and that translates to just boing bum spap i don't know it's, oh, it's the same in english yeah. yeah more or less i mean that that's an album just more about kind of rhythm and it's not as good that one in terms of its concept but it sounds really good um so the, there's bits that are weaker and better but this one the one we've chosen um has a lot to do with the u2 connection but also i, I think this is the most pivotal and iconic Kraftwerk album. I think this is a great episode, a, a great subject for this episode and for an episode of Tumult because it does connect to so many different yeah. other bands that we've already discussed and that we're going to discuss in the future. Mm. So I, I think there's a lot more fuel for this fire than we than we yeah. maybe imagined. We, we've only got you know just over half an hour of actual music to talk about here and six tracks, but there there are a lot of connections. So um, 
well, let's have a, let's just generally go through some connections then between the two of them. Um, okay. So, so I'll begin with um, the fact that um, in uh, nineteen ninety two, you two along with Public Enemy, Big Audio Dynamite, um, and Kraftwerk held a Stop Sellfield con- concert for Greenpeace to protest the nuclear factory. Um, that was you can still watch this Stop Sellfield gig online. There's lots of stuff on YouTube about it. Um, so they have actually played together in our very own town of Manchester, well, city of Manchester. Um, so there is that connection um, and it seems to be a band that you two like the Clash and the Ramones like they bring up a lot of the time to say these really influenced their origins so if you go back to Songs of Innocence they brought up when they were talking about Invisible quite a lot which is it's such an underrated song and I'm, I'm still annoyed that that's not on the album officially but we'll, we'll not rehash that discussion obviously the synthesizer in that is beautiful and even just the first beat you know that it gets set down the dum, 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 bum, 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 it sounds like yeah. work, especially when i do it like that yeah and i think i've always described larry as looking like the terminator at the, at, yeah. on, when he's on top of rockefeller center <laughs> yeah. that video is incredible because larry manages to play drums in like quite energetic drums in a very static way yeah standing re up. charlie watts yeah uh, and it he just looked amazing, and that's a very Kraftwerk style image. Yeah, I don't know if Larry was trying to challenge Kraftwerk, or it's just because of Larry's general, like, not smiling demeanor. Like, Bono's very expansive and emotional. I mean, we 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 always talk about Bono's gimmicks, but we never really talk about Larry's gimmicks. And I think this is this is a gimmick for it's for Larry. One of, one of his it, very few ones. Yeah. It's working, and um, it looks great, and it, yeah, yeah it, it channels that Kraftwerk vibe, um, and also it looks like one of the standing up electronic drum kits that um the, the original members of the band used to use um which were incredibly pioneering i mean the fact that Kraftwerk did records which didn't use any organic instruments whatsoever pretty much for the first time was is is they were huge pioneers um so another connection um still keeping on songs of innocence do you know there's a Kraftwerk reference on the song iris yes oh right i thought i'd get you that well, it's not exactly veiled is it no, but I'll read it out anyway. So, um, Iris, written about Bono's mother, obviously contains a name check for Kraftwerk. Um, so, this is from Bono. Um, My mother died just as I was discovering girls. One of the girls I was discovering was Ali. She arrived at Mount Temple in the same month. The first lover's gift I gave Ali was a Kraftwerk album called Man Machine. So, I referred to that. It was me that made you your man machine. Mm. So, just for the benefit of the tape, we'll, we'll, we'll play one of these not very good audio things. Oh, he's got evidence, ladies and gentlemen. Always show your workings. Chris Martin there as well. Right, there we go. That's enough of that. And, uh, well, amazed that you didn't mishear that lyric. (laughs) Did you think that it was Main Machine at first? No, but I did, I did, I did mishear it at one point and just... Shocker. Yeah, I'd rather... Machine idea or something. I, I've got something confused. I think I, um, yeah, I got well, something confused. Chris Martin was in the background there, or Magpie Martin, as we call him on Tum- yeah. Tumble. Criminal um, Prince. And uh, Chris Martin says, "Craftwork are amazing." Uh, this is going to sound highly pretentious, but I was reading a book about Leonardo da Vinci, and it. <laughs> you're not <laughs> you're wrong, not, Chris. You're not wrong, Magpie. Um, uh, and it said he was like a man who had woken up in the dark before everyone else got up hours later that's like craft work to me so he means that the like that pioneering spirit there yeah trying to do something they, by yourself. like they they didn't just beat everybody else you know to the punch they were the 
a long time ago. And yes. I, th- I really think there's this far-reaching quality with Kraftwerk. Now, you, mm. And if you've never listened to Kraftwerk, which may be the case yeah. um, for some of our younger listeners, you will listen... If you listen to the, the Man Machine, for example, you will start to hear little elements of Kraftwerk in modern-day music. Yeah. Um, we've, we've listed some, but it's really that far-reaching now that we couldn't give... Uh, a, a proper list of I mean, sometimes influences. Yeah, and sometimes it's just a um, it's just a beat or a small sample that's been repeated. Yeah. Um, so the Kraftwerk song Numbers, I know I don't know the exact amount, but I know that is one of the most sampled songs um, because it has this very, very simple yet quote-unquote funky sort of beat that's been used as the backbone for a lot of things because you can rap over it so easily or put other samples on it. Same thing with um, Trans-Europe Express. That's been used millions of times um, to really great effect. Um, oh, just to be honest, just, just while I was thinking about that, you said, like, you know, any of our younger listeners. I'd be fascinated to know what our youngest and oldest listeners are because I, re- I reckon there's probably a lot of people who are around about kind of 30, 40s, that sort of thing. If you are quite a young listener... I would be interested just to hear, um, you know, what what you, what you found, how you got into this, and and that kind of thing. But also, I wonder what our oldest listeners. I wonder if there's any like octogenarians listening to what we've uh, been banging on about. But if you do, you can get in touch by all the the usual um, the usual channels, Twitter, and all the other stuff that's at the end of the podcast. So Tyler, it seems you have got some stats for us. Well, it's funny you should ask. Um, on Spotify, which which we've been on since July, uh, we were quite late to the party on that one. We um, it gives you like audience stats mm-hmm. that other channels don't. Uh, so our youngest listeners, um, we do have some that are under seventeen. Wow, it's less than one percent of our total uh, listenership. Yeah, but we That's do expected. have some under under seventeens, uh, eighteen to twenty two year olds. That's six percent. Twenty three to twenty seven uh, uh, seven year olds is seven percent. I bet the over forties is our biggest chunk. Um, twenty eight to thirty four is four percent. Thirty five to forty four is sixteen percent. 45 to 59 is 65%. <laughs> Not a surprise. 60 to, get this, 150, wow. 2%. So we've got at least three like 150-year-olds <laughs> listening to us then. And yeah, so they're, they're the stats, uh, which I never thought we'd be, be reading out. But Spotify's actually been really successful for us. Well, yeah, keep listening, I guess. So, yeah, if, if you're listening on Spotify, thank you very much. Or iTunes, thank you very much. Or SoundCloud, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, everybody's appreciated. Yeah. But the, the stats are better on Spotify. I just wanna just wanna add that in. But Johnny will ask you to leave an, an iTunes review. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always like reading those, and it just literally pushes us higher up the thing. So, um, yeah, please do that because it's helpful. Mm. Um, and we do. To be fair, we do do this, you know, for free. So come on. Right. So let's do some stats for the Man Machine then, as we've done some stats for review two. So the Man Machine, um, the German Dementia Machine, is the seventh studio album by German electronic music band Kraftwerk. Um, it does surprise me. I mean, I know in the back of my mind this is a seventh album, but because it seems so iconic and and incredibly foundational in what the band are doing, I always think it's a bit earlier than that. Nevertheless, considering the bands that we generally like, it was released on May the 19th, 1978. So it's still quite early for the sort of bands that we enjoy. 
Um, and apparently it was a further refinement of the mechanical style. The album saw the group incorporate more danceable rhythms and less minimalistic arrangement. It included the singles, the models, sorry, <laughs> the model and the robots, not the models and a robot. Although the band was initially unsuccessful in the UK charts, it reached a new peak position on number nine in February 1982, becoming the band's second highest peaking album in the United Kingdom after the aforementioned Autobahn. So oh, was Autobahn before this? Yes, Autobahn was quite early. That surprises me. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, Autobahn was kind of the breakthrough one. It was recommended to the entire music community by David Bowie, who then took on that style in, in his Berlin period later on and on and other albums. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the tail end of the 70s. And I still think it's a fascinating album because the sort of music that... Um, Bono and the boys were listening to and you know going to the gigs of the the um already covered Ramones and the Clash this yeah. could not be more different I mean I, I was I was at first I was asking myself what must it have been like for Bono and the lads to listen to uh this or mm. or, or a te- any teenager to hear this music for the first time yeah but I still think you can get that yeah that, it's that still, impression it's now. still the sound of the future I mean yes some of the references are dated um most people well, I mean, most people who are not German don't drive on the autobahn, and um, things like pocket com- calculators and stuff like that are not really exactly current. But there are there are parts of this album that I think still sound like three thousand years in the future, um, which we'll which we'll get to um, as we go through the review. Um, I think though this would be one of those occasions where Bono's cool friends, you know, the Village, um, Gavin Friday, Googie, that kind of thing were really influencing what he was listening to and I think I think that's probably where this came from. And I also just think the ideas of minimalism, taking things back, not putting everything on a record. Like if you listen to White Riot, which is a song that that we've covered on this podcast and I love by the Clash, there's everything thrown at that, you know, it's just turn everything up to 11 whereas this is let's strip everything back and that's much more Edge's way of playing in terms of well, listen to Into the Heart there's such space, uh, you know, between the notes there, and that's that's very craftworky. And that idea of let's pick the perfect melody to go with this, rather than chucking everything at it in that very sort of punk way. Yeah, yeah. But then again, there's a punk energy to to craftwork if that's not too um, long of a stretch. You know, doing something new, doing something radical. And oh, no, there's certainly energy to this. Yeah, and, and and doing it yourself as well. Um, the other thing I think that needs to be said is craftwork were having a laugh a lot of the time, which doesn't come across to a lot of people. And first, you look at them and think, what a bunch of weirdos, and what a bunch of squares. They knew they looked like squares. They were doing it on purpose, and they were very stylized in that sort of way. Also, a very very cheap Halloween outfit if you want to go as a member of craftwork to a uh, to like a Halloween or costume party. Yeah, um, I want to talk about the cover, but first of all, I've just noticed that you have four posters in this room that I can see. Yep. Right. Two of which are you two. Yep. Uh, and two are of Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. So that that shows you how much of a fan uh, of of Kraftwerk Johnny is. Mm-hmm. The the in terms of poster space in this Half in his is office. Given over. Um, yeah, they've got the same amount of posters as you two. And also, it's. Um... The posters that are up, there's there's a, a, a like an ink drawing of the cover of the Man Machine, which is still a beautiful album cover, front and back. The whole thing is amazing, and the style that Kraftwerk have got is is beautiful, which was helpful. I want I want to talk about the cover because that's well, iconic. Yeah. So you're gonna mention Emil Schultz? No, I've not. I've got no research on it. I'm just, <laughs> okay. it's, it's it's an iconic cover, yeah. and it's been um, parodied and uh, copied throughout the years, mm. uh, and it it is. It still stands up. It's still a really good uh, piece of art. It's yeah. It's very very clear. Um, very bold. 
and yeah it's been subject to parody and pastiche as well so there's a band called um called lights so not only just sort of people taking the mick out of this and making comedy sketches out of it which is fair game and amusing um but some people have just just basically um done versions of craft work you know very very similar wait are they called lights they've got a band called lights and offerings it's going to annoy me this if i don't look it up why don't you tell me about the design the design yeah so the design features uh red mirrors, mirrors 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 that's the name of the band they're called mirrors so if you want to hear like a, a, like a modern day pastiche of, of craft work they're called mirrors sorry go on tyler no no that's everything i, I had to say about the design it features red shirts. <laughs> so we should get onto the chart. Yeah, sure, go on. Then. It's a really short album list, and we seem to have a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah, I, I predicted we would end up saying quite a bit about this. Um, right, so uh, I'll, uh, are you ready for the chart? Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, hit Das. In at number 10, Yvonne Elliman, If I Can't Have You. Number 9 this week, The Michael Zager Band, Let's All Chant. In at number 8, up from 23, John Paul Young, Love is in the Air. Number seven, Andrew Gold, Never Let Her Slip Away. That's a great song, really good song. If you've not heard that, listen to it now. Sorry. Number six, the Patti Smith group, Because the Night. My favourite song of all time, by the way. Uh, number five now, Dee Dee Jackson, Automatic Lover. Number four, Johnny Mathes, Too Much, Too Little, Too Late. Number three, Up from Ten, Darts, The Boy from New York City. Number two, a non-mover, the Bee Gees, Night Fever. And number one, staying at number one for another week, it's Boney M and the Rivers of Babylon. Mm. Not, actually, really, not a bad top ten. Very dancey. You yeah. know, if you if you heard a lot of those songs, if you were going out to a disco at that particular time, um, you would, you'd probably have a quite a good night, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have a long uh, self-indulgent story about Boney M, which we won't get to. Um, I tell you what, if you if you ever meet me at a, a U2 fan event, uh, ask me about the uh, the Boney M story in Amsterdam. That's the best way to do that. <laughs> also, not incriminating. Uh, so, um, mm. so yeah, but the, the one I wanted to talk about was the Bee Gees and Night Fever. A couple of years ago when um, U2 were playing a, a Las Vegas gig, I forget, it was the iHeartRadio Festival or something like that. They mm-hmm. did that big Desire performance, uh, yeah. the anti-Trump one. Yep. Uh, that that worked, um, but the the edge was talking about how listening to the Bee Gees is is quite painful for him these days, uh, and I think he meant it in in a good way, like um, how uh, they they when they were younger they wouldn't listen to the Bee Gees because it was seen as uncool and embarrassing. You're either for disco or against disco. Yeah. There wasn't much of a um a middle ground, and there, was, there were all those um disco sucks uh, stickers that were around and stuff like that. So I think it was a dividing line. Yeah. But now he says he likes to listen to it, but it's almost too painful to listen to it because it reminds him of a certain time of his life. Or when he was a bit more pretentious and didn't let things in. I, I, maybe. He didn't really go and go into why he found it. He says they're great songs, but it's, 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 it's too painful to go back and listen to it now. Just thinking about that, Edge's um, register when he sings quite high pitched is not a million miles off the Bee Gees. You know, in stuck in a moment. Yeah, again, I don't think he was criticizing the Bee Gees because he he said the, the great songs, but I think it's more of a personal connection how it takes you back to a certain time. Mm. And it was a turbulent time for for the the band, particularly you know, around this period. Yeah, it was a but very formative time. It's just very interesting the fact that you've got uh, the Bee Gees, Patti Smith, um, Kraftwerk, Andrew I mean, Gold. 
Yeah, Andrew Gold. I mean, I don't know who Andrew Gold is. Would I know let, never let her slip away? Um, I've probably played it to you at some point late in the night. Um, it's it's really good. I love Andrew Gold. I know a lot of. I do know a lot of those songs though. Hmm. Um, well, that's a, that's a rare because usually when we go back, you know, beyond twenty I, I, years, we have no idea who well, the, the hell ones, anyone is. Ones from two thousand and fourteen, I had no clue about. That's true. Actually, these are more more relevant. Right. So bolding on to um which isn't a phrase um to the man machine then i think there's a nice way to start us off with this ralph hutter said of him he's he's the main guy he's the one who's still in craft work nowadays the other three have either left or parted ways or i think one of them's died as well i don't know everything about the biography of the band so there's been a lot of members coming and going and for in its very first earliest um iteration iteration Craftwork basically had two founding members and then a mm-hmm. lot of people coming in and out. Usually so, to do percussion, to be honest. So um, it wasn't a solid state band other than the, the first... Uh, the, was it the two... Was it Hutter and Schneider? Yeah. They were the first two and main figures they in are, early days of They Kraftwerk. definitely are the main figures, although this was the album where um, they did have other members of the band actually contributing writing credits and things like that to to this um as as well as emil schultz um who was um doing doing part of lyrics and design and things like that for them but as as i've said before we are barely experts on u2 we're definitely not experts on craft work this is just our review with our we're fans that that's the best way to put it yeah exactly we're people who like this music yeah but we're not fanatically detailed about things and we often get stuff wrong no no one's watching no one's listening to this thinking it's a documentary <laughs> well they are they're going to be disappointed <laughs> anyway well so ralph Hutter said of the band's approach um on the album we are playing the machines the machines play us it is really the exchange and the friendship we have with the musical machines which make us build a new music so i think this is again where the overlap and the blurring between man and machine is made very very clear very very apparent and as i said earlier on what i think is nice to do with this album is go on a journey with it and decide what kind of gloss you're going to put on the actual song. So is this a song that is sinister and um, worrisome and kind of stressful in terms of machinery and the way that modern life is? Or is it something that's celebrating automation, speed, all the, all the benefits of living in a modern society and city, that sort of stuff? And I think both are present at different times on the album. Um, yeah, and it's interesting the journey between making a robot or robotics do something for you mm. and becoming the robot. We are the robots. Maybe that's a good way to start us off with the first track, The Robots, uh, D-Robota, because that is what they were talking about in terms of this had been their seventh album. They'd started to play in front of either crowds or to be featured in music videos. And... What you've got there is them saying, okay, we're becoming some sort of thing to look at here. We're becoming something whose function is to entertain you. They were becoming robotic in themselves. And they're saying that this is what happens when you become a performer. They did this as well, um, this idea with um, showroom dummies on um, on the previous album, on Trans Europe Express, um, which weirdly, you know, Sleep Like a Baby Tonight, that is mm. almost like this, a sample of that at the start. Like It's not a real sample, but it's very, very similar, the, the synthesizer. So yeah, that idea of standing in front of people, and I guess it has a connection to the showman as well, really. You know, um, you're yourself, but you're not yourself. You're fulfilling a mechanical function. And to anyone who's not seen Kraftwerk play live, whenever they do play this song, or most of the time when they play this song, they play it in inverted commas. So they they let four robotic figures on stage 
take their place and you will you will have a crowd chanting and cheering for some robots for some literal robots you know that are moving around with these kind of um hydraulic limbs and stuff like that although in a very very jerky and non-futuristic way it has to be said um yeah so so what do you make of the robots then Tyler? what's your impression um so when i was when i started listening to this i i have a, a feeling of being inside a pinball machine I feel like I'm bouncing off all these different sounds mm. in a somewhat rhythmic fashion. Yeah, I can Some, see that. Somewhat rhythmic. It's mm. it's you maybe you don't. I mean, I've heard I've been hearing this song now for fifteen years, something like that. Yeah. Maybe longer. It was one I used to put on a lot in the tr- car ride home from a club that we used to go to. I own this album. Yeah, I actually have a physical copy, and I've forgotten about that. But I have a physical copy of this album, yeah. which I didn't realize. That must be. CD somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it gave me a giddy kind of excitement just to listen to it, uh, and it's still futuristic. I think we've said that a few times now already, but yeah. it still feels futuristic, full of possibilities, but has this very haunting and foreboding quality. Um, now, in 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 parts of my research, the, the Cold War kept getting mentioned. Mm-hmm. specifically about this album yeah now i'm not a student of history i don't know much so yeah. and and i wouldn't be able to tell you much unless i saw a documentary about it last night yeah because i don't i, I don't retain that kind of information very easily yeah so do you have anything on the cold war <laughs> in general <laughs> right okay let's let's begin you know from the end of the second world war then <laughs> Um, well, look, Germany was a place that was that was carved up, um, you know, and part of it was being run by the West, brackets, a capitalist system, and the East was being run under communism. So that created that created tensions and also a question on where you stood in terms of culture. So, and this is a question that that's affected bands for a long, long time. So, like you know, even Ramstein talk about this, and they're obviously a later. I mean, they're not a young band, but they're a later band. The question was, do you want to try to replicate, you know, this kind of Western Beatlesy or Americany bluesy rock and rolly sort of sound, and kind of do a kind of crappy version of that? Really, do you want to do that and just try desperately to forget the past? And let's not forget, Germany had a very good reason for forgetting the past. You know, in terms of the way they well, thought parts about of it, certainly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so there was that question about, do you want to? There was that time they all went on holiday between 1938 and 1945. <laughs> Um, yes. So there is that, that question about how you relate to the past. And a lot of people just threw themselves into Western culture and really enjoyed that. And other bands um, were thinking, well, can we actually make something that sounds more authentically German? Now, Kraftwerk were from the Rhine kind of rural area of Germany where you have uh, the industry. So Ralph Hutter talking about this. He wouldn't have made something that sounded authentically German to him unless it had machinery and an industrial feel to it. So I think that's that is what I think of when I when I think of Germany. Yeah, the the, the industrious na- nature of of them. Yeah, um, and you know that that Vorsprung duck technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems I, I I don't know if is this a common thing that if it's made in Germany, it's quality and it will last. I think so. Yeah, I think because I. Mean, Obviously I don't know bro- where I've got that from, but I seem to no, assume it's, it's, it. it's obviously a broad. It's a broad generalization. I'm sure there are some terrible workers in Germany, just like <laughs> there are some amazing ones. But there I seems think, to be an efficiency in Germany, yes, that's which the, is lost um, in in certain other parts of the world. Yeah, particularly and, the UK. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a pride in 
in i mean again broad strokes but there's a pride in efficiency doing a job properly getting it done so i think if you do buy something german made i think that is a, meant to be it's a sign of quality yeah exactly that's what it's, it's that's what it's meant to be um so i think germany's long had that relationship to it and if you think about when the berlin wall came down and we did have the unification um it's such a good u2 connection because u2 started playing with all that industrial sounds in in 1991 you know and then and, and thenceforth in, in the 90s yeah so, Europa. exactly yeah. yeah so it's it's all to do with um embracing that particular sound and it's weird how it, it took them full circle from when they were starting off bono gave that record to ali but it took them how long to actually you know incorporate proper electronic industrial elements into their music you know yeah. until the 90s um and we should probably mention iggy pop as well who uh Mm. Uh, who went went to Germany to reignite his and David Hasselhoff, career. who famously you know was solely responsible for the bringing Hoff, together. Yeah, yeah, his dancing <laughs> saved the world there. Um, yeah, so we have actually had some correspondence on this, which seems like a good relevant time to bring it up. So Ian Walker sent us basically a whole essay on our Twitter um, account, which is fantastic. Um, Just read out Ian's um, uh, Twitter handle because there's actually some really entertaining stuff on his Twitter. Okay, well, his Twitter handle is at Fenlandgent, um, Ian Walker. There's a distinctive picture of Sid James with a pipe um, from, I believe, carrying up the Kyber, I would imagine. Um, so, I mean, if you don't find him from that, then and then um, <laughs> tough luck. Um, but I'll read out like a couple of things that, that I think is, is, is important. Okay, so um, it's difficult not to write an essay about what I think about Kraftwerk and the um, other cosmish bands and how they change the language of popular music, but I'll try. Kraftwerk and Can and Noi, uh, though definitely worth checking out, um, particularly Noi I like, all made music that seemed to step outside of history due to specific things to do with West Germany in the 70s. Especially, and this is kind of what um, I was alluding to, a hatred of the past, that being free from history and the tradition of blues just took popular music apart, literally with hip-hop. Kraftwerk were really popular with the first NY DJs, but also with post-punk. I guess that's where you two come in. Okay, last little bit. I think that you too, with help from Eno, understood that Comic music, Kraftwerk, postmodern, ironic, outside of history stuff, and just and used it brilliantly as a counterpoint to all that Anglo-American and very Irish stuff about the home, the past, and belonging. And I think that is really relevant to you too because you too would see um, would definitely incorporate certain elements of you know Irish music into the into their um, sound. But they've never come across as one of those. You couldn't mistake them for a, a traditional I, Irish I, I, kind of think, crack band. You I know? think we, well, we, uh, you two can't, so, sometimes do what we've accused Chris Martin of doing is magpieing different things from oh, yeah. here, there, and everywhere. Bla- blatantly, yeah, yeah. But they've, but they've, they're always very honest that they've done that, though. Yeah, and uh, but I think that that you two wanted that kind of sound that was stretching for something new and a bit more interesting. And I imagine if you if you were a band in the late seventies, look going around Irish pubs, it'd be quite easy to just fall into a very very traditional and still great in its own place yeah. way of playing irish music but then you hear this stuff coming from germany that sounds like the future and you think that's so new that's nothing like the the, the music of my fathers or grandfathers you know no, that yeah that's that's true yeah um so uh back to the robots then um there is some um there's this kind of russian influence as well on this so we've got some um russian lines which i'll butcher now which is uh robotnik, um, which means i am your worker i am your slave and the original um the original word i think robot comes from that that russian word um slave slash worker so i think it's a lot to do with putting the machines to work as, as you were saying before letting the machines do the work for you yeah and, and this is something i really really love because i, I love 
anything that means I can play one note and not have to do any work, you know, so delay, like the edge, I play one note if I have to, then let the delay take care of it. Or put your put you know one hand down on a synthesizer and let it modulate or arpeggiate through all of those different things. You don't have to be great at it, and I think that's what was inspirational for bands like OMD, for example. So I've seen um, Andy McCluskey talking a lot about how synthesizers changed everything because you didn't have to be that good to be honest. Yeah, he he always pops up on any documentary about Kraftwerk, um, and I, I, OMD are fantastic. They maybe should go on this at some point, but I don't know. What was the uh, the track called? An older guy was the main one. No, no, I, I know that you idiot. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the, so the Kraftwerk did Europe Endless, and they did a semi tribute to it, which oh, is yeah. kind of a version. Yeah. What was that called? I can hear it in my head, but I don't know what it's called. We'll, we'll we'll think of that. Oh, what is that called? They've got one. Song, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They they, they have got one there. Um, well, this is great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, right, right, you fill. I'll look get it Python up. out. Okay, so we're back, and what you can hear in the background. Um, is OMD the track that we were looking for which as you can tell um, it's got a bit of a heavier you know four to the floor than Kraftwerk would normally do but it's a modern day take have we just gone from Monty Python right into OMD <laughs> yeah what a remix <laughs> but you can hear that kind of choral synth sound is definitely um, Kraftwerky. yeah and I mean we're going to get the hook coming up right away it really is a great tune this it is yeah it's called Metroland by the way It's great, isn't it? I'm trying to be quiet because I just want to erupt at the minute. Mm. Okay, well, we'll carry on then now. But that's a song that I, I remember hearing it for the first time and, th and thinking, wait, they've ripped that off from something. I was like, no, it's just that good of a kind of hook. It's an homage, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's not It's not like it's ripped off any particular Kraftwerk no, song yeah. or anything. It's just a, a really, like, the best version of a kind of pastiche of it you know like it's not a parody it's not making fun of it it's just using all the best elements i remember you sent it to me and and, and, and it's so vivid the 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 memory of this because you you sent it to me when i was on the toilet and i <laughs> and i pressed play not, not intentionally no, no no you didn't wait until i'd gone but um i pressed play and i remember hearing it and then i thought I, I need to finish what i'm doing here and go and Dance. listen to this on my you know on on a, on a proper sound system yeah um, so I, I was always uh, very happy about that. What memories? Um, <laughs> okay, so um, so yeah, so robots. In conclusion, then um, this is a song which has got kind of. I think you can draw a straight line from this um, right forward to you know not that much in the future. Gary Newman and Soft Cell and lots of other artists really, really, and, and later OMD. Yeah. Um, it's a song about about again humanity and and i think a lot to do with celebrity as well for me like it is it is obviously about the idea of using mechanics or mechanical processes to mimic human behavior but i think it is a lot to do with them reflecting on their own celebrity status at this time yeah i think what's important about this song is that you touched on it and it, it relates to the edge it's despite being full a chock full of different synths and different elements going on here there and everywhere um the the thing that is so interesting about this song is how sparse some of them are mm. and how they've really tried to get that key melody um yeah it's and crystal clear yeah it's it's just it's kind of um a masterclass in mm. in terms of songwriting and the fact that there, there isn't a lot of vocal in uh, in a craft work track 
you don't notice it at all no you really don't notice it and as we've said a few times a couple of lyrics will suggest a lot of big ideas so you can get a lot of depth out of very very few words on the page actually the other thing to say about this i guess just before we move on and this applies to really a lot of of craftwork songs is the band do go back and look at their stuff and really thoroughly rework the the versions so they did an album called the mix and um this song is almost transformed you know it's 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 made so much more upbeat and danceable to it um which is which is great. Both versions I really enjoy. It just depends what mood you're in, really. But the other thing I would say to go and check out, if you can, is something called the catalog, which is Kraftwerk going back through a lot of their work. I think it might be called the catalog of 3D or something like that. What was funny about that? Because I, 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 I had a very Family Guy image of Kraftwerk just reading out a catalog. And then I and then I realised that's actually something Kraftwerk would yeah, do. Yeah, they could do that kind yeah. of thing and just put pa- a beat underneath Page it. one of the Argos catalog. <laughs> um yeah so uh, so that's a really good one to to look up i remember um i remember reading about this at one point and i must have been feeling delicate or something that day because i got caught off guard because i was reading a review of the catalog and um it said something like this this album where they, they went back and really properly thoroughly it wasn't just a turn it up turn it down kind of remaster thing the sort of thing you two do um it was a proper re- really good plow through the old stuff and a reimagining of such fundamentally brilliant stuff and I've been listening to it, and then I read the review that said it, it was met with almost universal cr- uh, critical acclaim. And I got, almost got a little bit teary. I was like, yes, that's so good. Because this, because by that point, they don't have to do anything. They could just lie back on their, you know, rest on their laurels, collect their paychecks, all the remix and sampling money that they must get. Um, and it was just, it, again, German quality and efficiency. It was something done properly. <laughs> Okay, so track two, Space Lab. Five minutes, 57 seconds. Hutter and Bartos. Yeah, they're not short, these songs, either. I mean, they don't feel long, but we've got an album that is a bit it's a bit back to front in terms of conventional pop music because... Easily twice the length of a, of a traditional single. Yeah, or ten times the length of a Ramon song. And um, you don't feel it. it. They really do go past very fast. And um, and what keeps this uh, really engaging is is the fact that there are little variations that are going on and we keep this engaging. So you've got something like Space Lab, you've got a nice solid background beat set up, but then things weave in and out and sparkle off and on. Um, this is a really, I don't know any better way to put this, but you could imagine a really good intense NES game or like old computer game. Yes. 16, yeah. 8-bit graphics, like shoot them up, like Metroid type thing. Um, and it, this would be like the, uh, some, you know, you would go back to the levels just to listen to this song. Cause it's so good in terms of the way, the way it um, creates that kind of feeling of, of industry, but on an alien planet or something. Yeah. And it really reminds me a lot of what we're going to cover next month. Uh, which is Daft Punk's Random Access Memory. Oh, I thought we were going to keep that slightly secret. What's the point? Fair enough. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, uh, so, yeah, it reminds me of, of that album in particular, but also a lot of other Daft Punk stuff. Mm. And, and it, the influence is obvious there. Yeah. Um, it sounds like so many songs and artists that would follow in the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I was thinking, how influential are Kraftwerk going to have been yeah, at the end of it all, well, you know, we're we're pretty early into the influence of craft work mm. now, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. It only seems to be getting more and more and more. 
and yep. it, it is interesting to see just how influential or how um heralded they'll be mm. in 20 or 30 years time from now well imagine when we actually do eventually you know land on mars and populate it then this will be the kind of music that'll but, be played uh, yeah. as people like sort of established colonies and elon musk you know is the overlord and everything driving around his space car um so yeah i mean and i look and i look forward to it um there was a there's a paul morley quote actually or him, him talking about craft work and saying that um people used to say and it was seen as what are you on about that craft work were more influential um on pop music than the beatles and he's saying that as the years go on and on that statement is becoming less and less strange and odd. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that, but it is an interesting statement. And I mean, I mean, I'd you... certainly say it's comparable at this point. Yeah, and, and if you compare on a personal level, my listens of Beatles records with Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk outstrip them a million times over. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just that's just my preference. I'm not sure. Um, for me, who's who's in the lead? Mm. It could be neck and neck. Um, the the main synth line in this, it's just. Mm. It's it's so Im- impressive to me. Yeah, I, I I don't miss the being no vocal. No, I mean there's 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 space lab, and yeah, but <laughs> anything I could get from you know a really um, well constructed verse, you know, and set of lyrics. Yeah, everything I could get from that, you get from I, this. I get from this synth line. Yeah, that, I think that's a lot to do with um. So Florian Schneider, um, he's his main instrument before he started doing um synthesized stuff was a flute. And I think that I don't know whether it's him playing. It might be Hutter playing, um, but I think that influence of being able to control a synth line, yes, it is very electronic, but it's also very evocative and beautiful. But you could easily sing something there. Yeah, exactly. And it would, it would. It, I mean, imagine how bad the lyrics would be if someone, if, <laughs> I mean, if you gave this to someone and like test tubes full of alien parts and it just would be like what are you on about? This is rubbish. Whereas you get that all from literally two syllables where it says space lab. And yeah. I love how there's that like really crisp quality. He always pronounces that B sound at the end. Like I don't know, I, I always hear it every time. We've not really talked about the vocoders on this, and no, I mean I think it's an. Obs- they must have been pi- pioneering that technology for them to sound this good. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. You I mean you hear a lot of ropey old crap done on vo- vocoders these days? It's yeah. just absolute terrible stuff. That's just it sounds like chipmunky, and whereas this is crisp, it's clean. It sounds both like there's a human voice in a machine and a machine voice in a human at the same time. It's crazy. They were either very well practiced in using vocoders or they took time to get it right. I think it's probably more the latter because I think it is more that, that pioneering thing. But I've heard, again, back to Florian, um, him being described as someone who's an absolute obsessive about tones. And I think that will that will link on to Daft Punk as well because I think they used to do something where they would they would re, they would tweak one little element. Well, there is a, there's there's an interesting connection between Kraftwerk and Daft Punk in that Kraftwerk, particularly here, really wanted to take a human voice and make it sound robotic, hmm. and Daft Punk have gone the opposite way in taking Recently, yeah. and taking a, a robotic voice and making it sound human. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a. It's a nice reflection on that, yeah. and them carrying on that that kind of tradition. That'll be interesting when we start to when we do random access memories uh, next time. Um, so I, I can't remember when what we were discussing, but we discussed it on a podcast certainly. And someone had said to you, um, "The thing about you, Johnny, is that you like uh, repetition. You like rep- repetitive music." And mm-hmm. since then, I've been thinking about what I like about music, mm-hmm. and I think, um, in 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 essence, it's melody. 
give me something mm-hmm. to sing, give me something to hum, give me something to whistle. Yeah. Um, give me a lyrical hook, something that I actually want to replicate myself. Yeah. And you've you've kind of got me. You know, give me give me that hook, and you can put me on your wall, and I'll be that prize catch of the day. You know, and that that's a, what a disturbing image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really what I think I like about music. You know, You'd be in, one of those Billy Bass fish as well. That like half of you would poke up, and you'll start singing a song. Which part? Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think in this song, you 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 could really um, get an idea of what we both like about music yeah. it's repetitive which ticks your boxes yep. and it's got great a great melody in fact just coming here um today i had it swirling around in my head over mm. and over and over um but yeah uh and really uh, surprised me and i didn't really remember space lab from when i when i first was introduced to this album mm. i think one of the things you'll get from this album if you listen to it you know time and again in itself is that idea of how much enjoyment you can get out of repetition Mm. because if you you'll be listening to this and i i've often listened to this when i've been doing something like that requires quite a lot of concentration or just just messing around on like a game and letting it bleed into my subconscious at the back but then you'll notice something you'll be like four minutes in you think where's that come from that that wasn't there a minute ago even though it seems like it's just risen out and it's not something that that breaks in and, and destroys that flow it is things being repeated and sounding different because of that repetition you know and slight variations on stuff a, a song that we that i think does that the best and we won't get to talk about it today really is computer love um right yeah. that, that has got th- some of the most subtle variations in terms of synthesizer work and just things developing and from something that sounds quite sparse becoming really beautiful and full of emotion what's interesting is uh, your love of repetition and my love of melody doesn't restrict us to one particular genre. No, no, it could be anything. Well, you get that repetition in in you know what's called stoner rock, you know, and stuff like that. You yeah. know, riffs being played over and over again in a, in a, in a way to create something new by repeating them over and over again. Yeah. So yeah, it, it translates definitely. Anyway, let's pick up the pace and move on to Metropolis. Six minutes, one second, and I just want to ask, does this have anything to do with the film? Uh, the, you're talking about the Fritz Lang film, Metropolis? Sure. Uh, I imagine so, yeah, because um, it was a it was a big film in terms of its, its influence on other kind of German expressionistic cinema, and I, don't, I just don't see how you would not be aware of this. And I know there are people who've set this two clips from Metropolis, which is a great film. It still stands up. I think it's 1922 and it's it still looks amazing. Um, Almost 100 years old. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's really fast math for me. <laughs> Brain's hurting now. Uh, yeah, so I think you can see YouTube clips where, where it fits perfectly, the things being together. Although what I do like about this is... Um, how again how sparse the lyrics are and how it allows you to conjure up a version of okay what city am i thinking about so i think this and neon lights work really well together um as kind of a a different side of a different side of the same coin really so to me what we've got here is you've got a kind of glare and sort of shimmer of a of a mega city you've got like movements of trains plodding of commuters um in that kind of the the thudding away of the synthesizer in the background there's some kind of deep stuff there you got those kind of droning synthesizers at the start 
little bit like an air raid siren. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There is. It's a very long intro um, until it actually starts. I imagine if you show this to someone, you'd be you'd be sort of and saying how busy it is and how it's like a city. You'd be like, just wait, just wait a bit. Here we go, here we go. And then you you know you get that. But so do you do you get the impression of a city? I really I really do. I mean, maybe maybe that's because of the title, you know, and how it works. But I think in that kind of in that main synthesizer, I don't know what you would call it, hook in that's going on in the background. You you've you have got I see little people moving, you know, almost like one by one into into tubes and into trains and things like that and moving along. So when you're viewing this city in your mind, um how 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 are you viewing it? Are you viewing it? Are you in the city? Are you in the middle of it? No, it's like I'm looking at it from a great distance, a bit like um, from above, <laughs> or no, I'm like from like as if I'm looking down from like a big tower and seeing the city move. So you see, like a train, right. a train comes into the thing, and there's one train that goes, it's just going like a monorail. It's looping around the city all the time, constantly. And then there's like little little bits where people get off and stop and there's little bright kind of fizzes of computers you know maybe um maybe these are kind of more robotic things that are going on um and it's all in black and white in that in my head and... black and yellow for me okay but, but, but i've got the aerial view i'm like looking down like the wily coyote view well, of just, it. yeah just before you sort of fall down um but in my head like I w- it was zooming into like people like like maybe a, a slow motion expression on someone's face. Mm. So it's a fast zoom in and then you get to somebody and it's an expression on a face oh. or someone getting out of a cab, you know, like the everyday thing. Yeah. But when you get to the person, you just get this slow-mo snapshot yeah. of, of that person's day. So is yours not futuristic then? Because mine's sort of like futuristic, a bit like that Metropolis idea of it's, it's someone's vision of the future which didn't actually happen. It's kind of an an odd, like almost atomic age version no, of it, something for it me. No, it wasn't really. It wasn't really futuristic. It's kind of um, like New York. I mean, New York I, isn't. I was it, just about to say you could. New York you could, isn't futuristic, but, but if it's you did, in the present at the same time. But if you did a time lapse of New York from a from a, a distance, you know, and you set it to this, it would fit really well. Yeah. Um, or or Tokyo or somewhere like that. It, yeah. would, it would it would suit so it's, i think what is is good is, is it sums up that idea that there's a busyness and a kind of beauty to a city functioning but then also a sadness and a sort of an anonymity to it you know like you're kind of alone in the crowd sort of thing but i mean just to look at a city which is a machine made of people functioning it's and, like a circuit board isn't it yeah, yeah. exactly yeah and that's yeah. that's the thing right you you don't get with with bands who say, right, we're going to write a song about City. Like City Blinding Nights, for example, right? Great song, fantastic song. Certainly got a Kraftwerk influence in, in, in it. But you can't take your mind on a little story kind of trip, the way that we've done done just there and compared our notes on it with, you know, City Blinding Nights because it's it's too specific. Yeah. Whereas you can do with Metropolis. Like every time you listen to it, and depending on what state you're in, you know, um, I imagine Kraftwerk has been listened to um, in many, many different states that might have been chemically altered. Um, you're going to get some different... Um, by some people. You, you don't think people have taken drugs and listened to Kraftwerk? I don't think anybody takes drugs. Naughty, naughty. We're not endorsing it. <laughs> I, 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 it's not a good idea. You know, stay in school, don't take drugs. But I'm saying a, a lot of people... Everything in moderation. Not everything. Everything in moderation. Or like heroin. Well, well... Maybe not the heroin, but <laughs> no. I don't know, I've never had heroin. Right, good. Well, not everything then. Right. 
We've got young, impressionable minds. We, we found out That's before. That's true, yeah. We've got, maybe like, you know, maybe like caught that. Three people who are like 13 years old listen to this. The reason I ask is I recently found out that if you ask somebody, uh, ask you know a group of people to picture an apple, some people can only picture like a black and white apple. Hmm. Some people, there's, there's different uh, ranges. Some people will see like a very realistic, almost photograph of an apple. Yep. But it, it goes it goes further down. And I was wondering if me and you are, are pretty much on the same wavelength like that. Well, I guess not with Metropolis. No, but like the reason I was asking, like you know, so you see it as a very realistic kind of place. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's not well, cartoon I mean, or anything like that. No, no, not cartoon. Although it does always remind me, Metropolis reminds me of um, the raw meat blood drool um, video that's done by I editors. I hadn't thought of that, but that's yeah, yeah, I'm right with you on that. If one. you haven't seen that video, it's just as a video, it's fantastic, you know. And hopefully, we'll do editors at some point on this. Program we really need all. to do editors soon. Yeah, no, yeah. Fine, I think. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I also always notice the. Um, the uh, electronics, well, I think they're splash symbols, which is a particular type of symbol um, on this. Like, it's a, just to get that that tone and it sound decent is really really impressive. Um, and we've probably not said that much about the percussion for this, but because you almost you almost don't notice it because it's so efficient. Yeah. But these are these are people playing. You know, these it is these it drums. is something you'll just like be absorbed by. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's when when they have little stops when the when the beat falls away and you've got the the kind of stops i don't know how to put it other than that i think if you're music nerds like us it's just an insanely good song mm. and it's and yeah i mean it's there's a there's a nice write-up actually about this um about this about this album um, there's lots of good people saying good things about it but one quote that i got was um a futuristic a futuristic and pulse pounding flight into alienation so i think this is is the version of the city that i think is impressive but also it might capture that loneliness about a city sometimes, or that that alienation and feeling more mechanical. You know, you're certainly not in the middle of pastoral Germany here. You know, you're in you're in, you're part of the cogs of the machine, yeah. and it's whether you enjoy that or you get spit out by the machine. I don't know if you'd agree. This sounds like a deep cut. Uh, it feels yeah. like a deep. Yeah, cut. Yeah, it is a deep cut, definitely. But yeah. it's it's still very very good. Yeah, it is. I'm, in, and in my head, I can't. Um, I've listened to lots of Kraftwerk live albums. I can't remember this being a particular, you know, one that always comes up. Definitely, mm. like the robots always comes up. And but there are live versions. I'm almost certain there is. Yeah. Right. Okay. Or there are. Um, so that's the end of side one then. So I mean, it, even though it's three songs, <laughs> I mean, it's a 36 minute record. Yeah, and and I mean, it's so it's not particularly long, but it does feel like we've travelled a long a long way since the start. And um, this is this is probably why it's such an iconic record because there's no fat on it whatsoever. Um, there's just in, well, oh, okay, fine, fair enough. And well, <laughs> let's flip over to side two then, and uh, let's do the model or das model. Three minutes forty-one seconds. Mm. So single territory, definitely there. And also single territory in its construction. It's got verse, chorus, verse, chorus um, sort of construction. So. A big departure from the other songs. Like, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, but it wasn't written to be a single. It was a B-side originally. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, have you have you got more on on that and the history of where this comes from? Then. Um, so uh, I think it was a, a B-side on uh, Das Robot in Germany, or was it Neon Lights? Uh, well, it I'll was just, one of them. Let me just let me just read. I'll okay, read the, the Wikipedia stuff because that that seems like the easiest way to be accurate. Um, so, Computer Love was released as a single, uh, backed with the Man Machine track, The Model. So, this is um, 1981 by this point because um, Computer Love was off the album Computer World. 
Um, which fun fact he he wrote that album and apparently didn't have a home computer when he when he um, when he written the album even though it's got a song that is all about having a home computer. So Computer Love was released as a single and it also had the model on it. Radio DJs were more interested in the B side, so the single was repa- repackaged by EMI and re-released with the model as the A side. So this is one of those great moments in music history where airplay makes a difference, you know, and DJs actually change things rather than the plans of company execs or even the band. But um, the band didn't want this to be released as yeah. an A-side, did they? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, I'm sure they made enough money from it, but then again, Kraftwerk are a very arty kind of group who probably don't care that much about that. I feel like it It sounds like it's trying too hard to be a single. But it, but it wasn't. I, no, I know. There's, so there's, a, there's a certainly a contradiction with the way I, I feel about it. And Got I don't, to number one in the UK. I don't know it. That, well, that's... I don't know if that's surprising or not. It's amazingly catchy. Yeah, it's really it's really catchy. Yeah. I knew this song before I knew about Kraftwerk. Um, actually, mainly because Shooting Stars did a bit of a rip-off version of it. That's the main reason that I uh, I knew about it. But that there's a there's know. a great Craig Ferguson um, segment uh, where, where I think it was a New Year's Eve one one year, and they kept going back to Kraftwerk, which was Craig Ferguson mm. and one of his. What year was this? Uh, Two thousand. 12 maybe maybe it's before not, that it's not very topical is it no but it, it's um it, he's clearly a, a big fan yeah and it's just a, a huge piss take of of, of craft work and them having a conversation mm. it's it's very funny and I, i'm sure i'm sure it is and there are good parodies but uh, again i want to stress that craft work kind of had that, that <laughs> sense of irony was built in already if you know what i mean like they didn't go around like this yeah i mean he's not he's not spoofing them to yeah, to sort of rib them. To hurt their feelings. <laughs> you can't hurt a computer's feelings. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the model. Maybe it's... So this is the fact that you're talking about. Yeah, maybe it's... How ironic on a model. It's um, been overplayed. Yes, but I, I never want to hold that against a song. Like even like even Pride and Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For and to a certain extent Beautiful Day, I don't hold it against the song that it's been overplayed. It's just DJs being irritating. Um, but I, I thought... It would be yeah, good. damn those DJs for playing what people want to hear. Well, I mean, I mean, we we might not have this um this sort of the success of Kraftwerk without those DJs. Um, but let's um just have a look because this is the only song that we can have a look at extensive lyrics. Um, so and I think, despite what I've been saying about you know having fewer lyrics means that you've got more space to have ambiguity and depth. I think one of the things that is great about this song is it's not a traditional pop song in terms of. It's a model and isn't she beautiful? There's lots of kind of sinister meanings and undertones and the character who's established, you don't really know his moral standing in it. So let's, should we go through the model and we'll, we'll talk about the lyrics of the model? You look very depressed, Tyler. No, go ahead. Right, so this is like one of those uh, terrible like routines, you know, um, where people read like the Beatles lyrics out and they're like, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right, so the model. She's a model and she's looking good. Fairly self-explanatory. I'd like to take her home. That's understood. Okay, so he, obviously he's saying that it's clear as day that he would love to get romantic with this with this model. Yeah, and I like the fact that that's understood. Obviously, it's there just to rhyme with good, but it's like everyone agrees that that's the thing to do. You know, she's an attractive model, therefore I'll try and take her well, home. Well, there's a seedy motivation that they wouldn't. You know, if people they wouldn't cast certain people in films, they wouldn't put certain people in mm. magazines. If the general feeling was, 
Sex appeal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. Um, she plays hard to get. She smiles from time to time. It only takes a camera to change her mind. So now the model's kind of like characters brought into question. It's like she can decide when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And the thing that she turns it on for is celebrity and cameras. Oh, no, I don't. I see. I don't I don't get that. She's deciding. She smiles from time to time. Yeah. Someone points a, a camera at her mm. and then she'll smile. It's it's taking away the actual. Oh, so you mean the, the camera's the, making her act like a machine? Yeah. OK, that's the, well, I mean, and again, it fits, doesn't it? Yeah. OK, good. Um, so she's been out tonight drinking but drinking just champagne so she likes the finer things apparently from this um and she has been checking nearly all the men this is always weird because i don't know well, if that's mean... implied isn't it what that's so so that that's his interpretation yes yeah and i think paranoia i think the narrator is as much as a character as the model in this as well um it's I, a... I would say he's the only character well, the well, the well, maybe this is all a, an illusion in his mind, but I think the mo- the model is a character. I think in this, um, so when it says checking nearly all the men, I think is that a a Germanic reinterpretation reinterpretation of the phrase checking out all the men, or does she mean checking as in stopping all the men? You know what I mean, like how you check something, you stop it. So mm. is she bringing it on or is she not? It's 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 kind of I an think open it could question. be read either way. Yeah. Um, she's playing her game, so that is kind of saying that she's involved in this on an active way. I, I think this this character, if we're going down the paranoid route, wants wants her to be somewhat promiscuous, then he might have a chance. Yeah, but and also I think, but she might not actually be that. But I also think he wants her to be that it it's oh she's just playing a game, you know, like oh playing hard to get. I see. It's like no, she actually just doesn't want anything to do with you, mate. Mm. You know, like but in his head, she's like ah oh, the game that she's playing by ignoring me vixen you know subtly <laughs> ignoring me you know because i'm so attractive um yeah so she's playing a game and you can hear them saying she is looking good for beauty we will pay i like i really like that line about everyone's like this like kind of everyone's agreeing for the model like oh she's she's looking good and we'll pay money you can almost see them like waving dollars at her um she's posing for consumer products now and then for every camera every camera she gives the best she can um yeah so posing for consumer products it's kind of going back to that idea of this isn't meant to be beauty in the old sense of like we'll paint her but it's for like she's holding like dishwasher you know uh soap or um you know i like that's what you go to with <laughs> consumer products what would you go for toothpaste I-, I went for like um perfume yeah fair enough yeah it would be more glamorous it's <laughs> good to know where you're at <laughs> new dish mop um, <laughs> from the model um so I saw her on the cover of a magazine. Now she's a big success. I want to meet her again. And I really like that as well. Like now she's a big success. I want to meet her again. So he met her presumably early on when she wasn't a success. And is it the success that makes him want to meet her? Or is it that he was in love with her and a beauty? That sort of stuff. Questions, questions. Yes, lots of questions. Yeah. So anyway, I, I like the model because it's a weird song and you can actually go through the lyrics and get quite yeah, a lot out of it yeah yeah you can yeah okay i've got more out of it just through going through that and i mean if that... However, i do feel like i've aged fair enough well well last thing i have to say on the model is um if you want to hear a very very different interpretation of it and it has been covered very extensively um then ramstein's version <laughs> is very very good it's it is really actually very very didn't good. know who you were gonna say then and then yeah fair enough and, and I, I, I was think... trying to guess who you were going to say. And obviously, Ramstein. Okay. Simply Red do a simply brilliant version of this. Do they? 
I, no, I've not, well, they might do, but I've not heard it. I just thought of a, a weird I've not heard them do a, a brilliant version of anything, including their own songs. Ooh, burn. Uh, Take that hook, no. Yeah. You know, his lawyers will be on the case. Yeah, listen to the Ramstein version. It's very heavy. And I see Ramstein as a spiritual successor to Kraftwerk in a lot of ways. Okay, Neon Lights, then. Um, at, at a much more standard 8 minutes 53 seconds. Um, I've got 9 minutes 03. Yeah, so um, you got it off Wikipedia, didn't you? I got it off Spotify. And mm. and what they seem to have done with a lot of the tracks, I think there's... You call there's, me a nerd about no, something. No, there's a lot of silence at the end of the tracks. Yeah, that was um, meant to be. And, and I think Spotify have just you know, got tri- rid of it. trimmed a few seconds off the silence. How dare they? I know, yeah. Um, but I noticed that. It took Kraftwerk ages to record that silence properly. Yes. Um, so... Neon Lights, I think, is much more accessible. I am surprised that it's so that it, it's so long. I was wondering if there was um, a single, tra- you know, a, like a radio edit where it had been cut down. Mm. Is, is it always this long? I don't know. Um, when I hear live versions, it's it's very long. Yeah. I think it's actually longer than this sometimes when they play it. But this sounds much more like a single than the model to me personally. Well, that's crazy. Really. Well, yeah, because the model's got a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and a very, very clear hook. If you go, if you sing the models like synthesize like half of it to someone, they could complete the rest of it. If you said neon lights to someone, they'd be like, "All right." No, I, I, I think it's seductive when you're listening to it. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and this is, um, this is uh, an, an old favorite of mine. This is, this would be one that I've, I've absolutely played to death. You know, I love neon lights. Yeah, um, so there's a backing synth in there. And I'm saying backing synth because it it seems to be a little quieter in the mix than well, what I would say is the main synth. Yeah, but it seemingly gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And it's like, oh, if you're listening to that, it's like, oh, God, when does this stop? You know, you know, and recycle back to the beginning, which obviously it's going to do, but it actually goes on for a lot longer than you may have anticipated. So just... By listening to to that for this, I really enjoyed how extreme that actually got. Mm. Um, the the one thing I would say about this song is it's another one where the little layers of things really add up to the more the sum of the parts, and the layering of things works really well for this song, just like Metropolis, because it is like a city. You know, there are so many things going on at the same time, yeah. but they all build up to that sort of feeling. Would you say it's greater than the sum of its parts then? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, and if if when you hear if you go to about four minutes twenty, um, there's this moment when another synthesizer or piano or keys keys come in, and it sounds really warm and beautiful. I don't get anything uh, sinister from this. I I have heard versions of this where they're saying, like, "Oh, it sounds like a bit melancholy," but I think this one is very very warm hearted. It's like the flip side to Metropolis, like I said before. Um, and this is more like the kind of welcoming warmth of a city that's shining at night, you know, that you might see on the brow of a hill that you're going towards. Mm. Or just feeling nice about the city, you know, like and, and enjoying it and enjoying that mass of people all theoretically working together, you know, in some sort of way. Um, whereas Metropolis was more of that alienation. This is like, I love the city and I love the fact that we have stumbled towards creating something that shines in the night like this you know it's like it's like new york at, at night you know again new york is a good place to think about not just um dusseldorf which is where the, the lads are from <laughs> they've probably never been called the lads in their life uh, <laughs> probably not no um 
so this has been covered by U2, as we discussed in Ooh. the intro. I like the U2 version. It seems uh, somewhat true to the original. Yeah. Um, but also, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Simple Minds made it their own. Yeah, I think the Simple Minds version is better overall, if I can <laughs> say that. Uh, but I think U2's version is very nice, though. And you can tell Edge probably... Um, sweat over the sound of the keyboard and everything for ages how did we have no idea about simple minds I don't how know. is it possible it's embarrassing there'll it, be, there'll it be, really is there'll like... be more though so um so they have a, a simple minds have an album called uh, called neon lights uh, mm-hmm. which is an album of covers and they also cover dancing barefoot which yeah. you two also covered yeah they did that before them though it just seems to be adding fuel to the fire of the inevitable uh u2 versus simple minds episode that we we may have to do one day well, you two win fighting out of the red corner. You two and out of the blue corner, Simple Minds. Well, you two would score a knockout, I think, overall. Even though I do really like Simple Minds now, but I mean, obviously, you two are my favorite band, so that's <laughs> it. That's the end of that one, really. Um, this is a song where I do think you have to stick around to get the full enjoyment out of the song. You couldn't if you're going down to the shops and back very quickly. You're not going to get this song. It, it, it's one of those perfect ones that you can, well if you if it's going to be like a two minute car journey which you're going to talk over you know then don't put it on but if you're driving and you know you've got a nice stretch of motorway night, late at night stick this on and it will become it will fill up the car you know and your entire world if it can be so pretentious yeah uh, this is definitely a closed cans song cc song yeah i agree with that um and, and the last thing I've written is, how does this still sound like the future? Which it's probably become cliche now, even on this very episode. But um, it it does just sound really, really beautiful. And having just a, you can't really get much better than that. The sort of lines of poetry that they write in this really, and it, it does sound like poetry, you know. And at the fall mm. of night, this city's made of lights. And then I'm really simplistic. Yeah, yeah, it's and, nice. And I think that's the, probably the inspiration for City of Blinding Lights to a certain extent. I know there is a whole story about that, you know, in Madison Square Garden and whatever. But I think that idea of a city made of lights, it's Take obviously. Think it always stays its welcome. No, <laughs> not at all. All right. Okay. No, no. I'm, as soon as it gets to nine minutes oh three, I'm. It I'm does fine. change towards the end, but I, I, I wish that change came a bit quicker, and yeah. I, I, I wish the end came a bit quicker as well. It, it is long. I, I feel, I feel like it's been everywhere. Mm. Um, like Johnny Cash. <laughs> weird. Uh, okay. Um. So number six, the final track, Man Machine, five minutes thirty two. Hmm. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. Then the the title track. I do the like main event. I do like a title track at the end because it does it does feel like a main event. Oh, oh I do like a title track at the end. Oh, <laughs> that sounds particularly partridgey there. I don't I don't know I don't know what impression I'm doing. <laughs> well, it feels like this is the oh oh, oh yes I do, I do like a title I, track. Oh, you're doing you're doing Frankie Howard. Am I? Yes. Yeah, yeah of course oh, I do, 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 Oh, Mrs. No. Oh. Oh, oh, I do like a title. Oh, don't. Is oh, it? I was telling her the other day. Oh, I like a title track. Stop it. No, no, <laughs> listen. For anyone under the age of 60, Frankie Howard was a comedian <laughs> a long time ago, who even me and Tyler really shouldn't know that much about. I was I was brought up on uh, Carry On. Well, yeah, Carry On and Frankie Howard and, and that, yeah. 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 Well, M- anyway. Mum, should I be watching this? Barbara Windsor's got a tit, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's only half past four on a Sunday, afternoon yeah a, a more innocent and also a less innocent time in a lot of ways she did have a cracking though. right okay let's carry on then so um so the man machine the man machine um we've got these tiny little machine clicks at the start and if you listen to it close cans if you listen to this on headphones very very carefully it, it does almost sound not just the um 
it sounds like the clicks and sinews of an actual robot or some sort of machine. It sounds very, very metallic. Um, How many robots have you been around? Multiple ones. I mean, you, everything's a robot, isn't it, really? These, a microwave's a robot. A toaster's a robot. It's a worker and a slave. I, re- I, really, I really like the toaster in Red Dwarf. Yeah. Where every time someone walks in the room and goes, Hey, do you want some toast? I would buy that toaster and get. I would eat so much toast. I, I, Out of everything, any robotic device I could have, I would have a talking toaster. Well, there you go. I've proved, I've proved this. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. Um, also, if, if you uh, like Top Gear... Um, what, and what? You, you have Amazon Prime. I highly recommend James May's new uh, documentary, Our Man in Japan, where he actually gets to fight. With it gets gets to go in uh, a fighting robot, mm. this giant thing. I wonder where this was going to go. Um, and it's it's really interesting. The the fighting's quite slow paced, um, mm. but but yeah, it's a great documentary. You better just watching um, Real Steel with uh, Hugh Jackman. Say you'd be better off watching Paint Dry. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't like Top Gear, so yeah, you, you would. Although I do like James May doing his um, programs about old school uh, toys like Scalextric. And yeah, and yes, I did pronounce that correctly. You, you'll love, you'd really like Our Man in Japan. It's it's mm, very funny. Not a fan of. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't contain Richard. No, it's just James May. Oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's all right. Perfect. Um, um, so uh, the Man Machine. This reminds me exactly of walking into your bedroom at your mum and dad's circa 2006. And um, like no other song, it takes me back to that time. And I don't know why. I don't don't know if you just listen to this a lot. I think when I wanted to show people how good Kraftwerk were, (laughs) I would show them this song. Cause it, cause, but then, but then it it may not have been the best one because it, it takes a little bit of a while to build up and become amazing which it does but you have to get through a lot of like boing i think you really have to be into craft work already though to really get this song yeah because i don't i don't think it's that accessible uh, yeah no it isn't and um, it's classic me misjudging my audience um, which i did time and time again as a teenager um yeah I, I might have been your you know your your best hit rate uh yeah so far <laughs> yeah um well what, what i what, one of the things i really love about this is um when you start having that bit where it says mach- um, the man machine 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 and it goes up and it gets higher and higher machine 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 <laughs> that bit yeah that bit so what I like is the it begins with a much more human tone that, at the start of it yeah and then as you listen to it it becomes more and more robotic as you go as you go on so it's like the robot voice takes over as you get closer to saying you you move literally from man to machine and then there's a kind of reinforcing of that at the end where it goes Machina. in a very, very like um, robotic voice, which I just replicated amazingly. <laughs> um, so are you going to edit that so it sounds good in post? Uh, I might stick something on it. Um, okay. We could probably put your bit together with my bit and see how great it sounds. Um, maybe I'll do that right at the very end of the, of the, of the episode. But anyway, it works thematically with what we've been talking about. Yeah. Man and machine blending. Where does one begin? Where does one end? I feel like th- this song really does a good job of bookending the album. Yes. Because I feel, once again, like I'm back in that pinball machine, like I felt like at the start. Yeah, loops back round. Which is something I'd forgotten about. Mm. And then I was like, oh, I'm back here. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It's That's... like it's like catching a, a train... Um, from one station and then getting off at the the same station. Mm-hmm. That 
Weirdly, that links into the previous album, Trans Europe Express, mm. which you literally, it was just about that loop that went around Europe and you would just you can go around Europe endlessly. Um, but I was weirdly thinking that the same sort of thing. Um, I wish the fade out wasn't as abrupt as this. Um, and maybe that's just Spotify cutting it off for me, which I don't appreciate. But what I really wanted was, um, I wanted this to be one of those albums where there is some sort of, you know, you listen to some, of the, some albums where if you literally put it on repeat, there's no gap, there's no stop. It's like it takes over, you know. The um, there's not many albums that do this, but that has you know, it, it is like an infinite loop. Like famously, Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar does this, um, and it's it's like there isn't a, an actual end or a beginning to the album. It's just one loop. I wish they'd done this and had the robot Every, sounds. Arcade finds everything now. Does that do that? That does that, yeah. If I'd ever listened to it properly, then I would. Uh, Honestly, got, that record gets turned off very early. You on. You missed the treat seeing that live, and that became a different album for me. Mm. After I saw it live on the Everything Now tour, brackets let's steal everything from Popmart and uh, Zoo TV. Yeah, I mean we got a request for a future Tumble episode for Arcade Fire and how closely they've mirrored you two. Yes, um, um, the sad thing about that is we'd probably have to do Reflector for that, and I don't like that album as much as I like other Arcade Fire albums. But I think Arcade Fire should be on the list. I do like Arcade Fire, by the way. I just um, I, I think Everything Now is a is is not a very good album. I think that that's like somebody who isn't really a fan of you 2 listening to Zoo Roper and go, oh, I just don't think it's a very good album. That To me, that's what it sounds like. Infinite content, infinite content. Although, we're Win but- infinitely content. Win Butler, the lead singer of mm. Arcade Fire, has said that it isn't a very good album. So... Oh, well, uh, I agree with him. I'm de- I'm defending it, and you agree with a, 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 someone who's actually in the band. Yeah, I, I just think... That, I think a lot of those songs sound like a bit of like a... Like, like a like Reflector, they did that, those themes really well, and then the Infinite Contents, like, okay, this is the same thing, but not as good. Anyway, when it's not review Arcade Fire, it's not review two, it's review Craftwork. Not yet. So there you go. That was the Man Machine. And uh, Johnny, what is your sweetest thing, and what is your dirty day? This is very, very difficult because, I mean, there's very few songs to pick from, so you'd actually think it'd be easy, wouldn't you? Um, it depends what mood you're in. I mean, it, it's a, it's it's one out of six. Yeah. Um, Ain't bad. Has I mean, it's loved. not the model, so we're down to five. What you you know that my favorite isn't the model. Yeah, it isn't the model because because it's it's that's atypical for this record. It's a great song, but it is the one that sticks out the most. Um, so it probably would be probably would actually be Neon Lights. Oh really? I I do love Neon Lights. It'd be one of those songs like Computer Love that, um, I can just listen to again and again. Um, but any of the other ones would be fine you know particularly like metropolis and space lab for deep cuts that are just yes, fascinating space lab for me all the yeah. way uh your dirty day um i guess it's the model now but i don't want it to be i guess it is the model because I, I just don't listen to this anymore because it's the sort of thing that you walk into like an 80s night and it's on and you're like okay yeah very good mm. you know <laughs> whereas <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I say that to the DJ as well. They have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you know, I'd rather hear something interesting. You know, where's where's nine minutes of neon lights in a in a bar? Yeah, what's about you? Uh, the Man Machine. What really? Yeah, yeah. Even more than the model. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of they're kind of neck and neck. Well, I love uh, the Man Machine. I think it would be a great album if it weren't for those two songs. The other four songs are really good. <laughs> Swift twenty minutes then. <laughs> So yeah, uh, this is, um, I mean, kind of preaching to the choir, I I guess here, really one of the, 
one of one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. If you like this kind of music, uh, yeah. And I, and I imagine if if you're listening to us at this point, then you are. Um, Enemy said that Man Machine stands as one of the pinnacles of seventies rock music. I mm. think it's a pinnacle of modern day music. Yeah. Uh, because of how far-reaching its influence has been. Um, I can't give you any certificate uh, certification um, notes, because for this uh, album, I think it's a problem with albums that came out in the 70s. I don't think the records were being kept mm. as, as... I'm not that bothered either. Well, you... Look, It's a very successful album. Yeah, I'm... it sold over 100,000 copies in the UK. I... Obviously it has, but that's that's the latest thing on... on um... Over a hundred thousand. Over a hundred thousand. Yeah, which is gold rating, but it's obviously done better than that. Uh, and the thing is, one one thing I, that I always remember is those books. You know, the big books you see sometimes in um, like Waterstones or whatever that say um, either a hundred one or a thousand and one albums you must listen to before you die. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Man Machine was featured on the front of that, and that's not just a testament to the music, but also the boldness and the the the, the way Kraftwerk managed their image so so beautifully. On the plus side, it really won't take you that long either. Yeah, you be yeah. If you, if you want to die quickly, then just stick that on in a, <laughs> that in a Ramones album. You'll be done in an hour. So that was Kraftwerk and the Man Machine. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Tummel. Please uh, like, comment, and subscribe us on. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Just just get in touch. You know, Carrier Pigeon, Morse Code. <laughs> We're all open to it. Or for the Harry Potter fans out there, send us an owl. Yeah, if you want to. Other than that, we will see you next month. So thank you very much. And goodbye. Cheers. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review2to u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review2 or search for the Review2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you. So Tyler, I was looking for some quotes from the band about Kraftwerk. I've got one from Bono here, which I'm reading um, slightly awkwardly from U2 by U2. So here we go, Bono. One of my favourite singles was I Feel Love by Donna Summer with Giorgio Moroder. What struck me was that her voice sounded more soulful set against the electronica than it did set against a live disco band. I thought, that's interesting. The human voice works by contrast. It actually becomes more human in comparison with the electronica. I had this idea that Kraftwerk were Europe's finest soul group. And th- this is something that Bono says quite a lot. It's like his big takeaway message about, about Kraftwerk is that the classically contrarian Bono kind of like, oh, they were a soul group. Um, I had, anyway, I said that. Uh, they didn't have big voices, but their small voices really moved me. I responded to the pathos in their music. We were starting a love affair with electronic music, which I suppose reached its apotheosis with pop. So that's interesting because you, you, you sort of would go to. Acton Baby and Zeropa before pop, but can you see Kraftwerk on pop? In a way, <laughs> the U two album. Yeah. Um. That's what. Sorry. Yeah, what's I, mean, I mean, look no further than Pop Mart for Christ's sake. That's true. Yeah, and also 
those big bold colors that Kraftwerk were going for yeah. in a stylish sort of way that definitely translates to pop. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think what he what he's saying there is like just because uh, a song is written using electronic instruments doesn't necessarily mean that it's. I don't know if electronic is is a genre. Obviously, it's it's regarded as one these mm. days, but it like Enemy said, rock music. Mm. It it can be soul. It can it can be R and B. Yeah, and and every genre now uses you know electronic oh, music, yeah. apart from country and western. So so yeah, I, yeah. Just just because it's electronic doesn't mean it can't be something else. So I agree with Bono there. And I think if you got something like um, pop, probably is one of the most soulful records that you two have done. Oh, it's it's the album where you two have laid most birth. Yeah, famously, uh, that's your your take on it and everything, which, you know, I, I sound like I'm <laughs> putting an eyebrow up at it, but no, I agree. Um, so something like Mofo and God Send, um, and If God Will Send His Angels, yeah, you do have that meeting of the electronic and the, um, particularly Mofo, and the soul being bird. So maybe old Bono was right with this whole thing about Europe. Um, yeah, that settled it. Kraftwerk are Europe's finest soul group. Never, never thought we'd agree with something Bono said. The man, machine, machine, machine. Machine, 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 machine. Machine. <laughs>